0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are looking at Jon Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man, and joining me today is, again, a guest from The Next Reel. It is Steve Sarmento. Hello again, Steve. Hey, Andy.
1: Great to be back uh, after a, a little hiatus here. Uh, looking forward to getting back and talking about what's going on with Tony Stark.
0: Indeed, indeed. We are, of course, talking about Iron Man Minute 49. On today's show, the minute starts with Obadiah carefully repackaging his golden egg, and it ends with Pepper grimacing at the crazy Jim Kramer. That crazy Jim Kramer. Oh, my goodness. He's an interesting character, and it's interesting to see him in here. But before we get to him, we do have a little bit more of Obadiah and Tony. This is kind of the end of the conversation that they're having in front of the big arc reactor
1: this is one of those challenges of the minute by minute when uh, you come into like the tail end of a scene. I had to go back and get the context of, of the conversation because yeah, we're right there at the, the tail end. Uh, But I looking at this minute, Jeff Bridges, interesting casting of him and this, and it's one that when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's interesting. But as I'm, you know, rewatching this again and getting this, I thought, you know, he just, to me just feels perfect in this role of, you don't really. I don't really think of him as a bad guy, uh, which I think lent itself to the casting on this one. But this, you just get that the, the greedy side of him that we start to see in this. You know, as he's he's aware of this. You know, Tony's new invention here, and you can just sort of see this like turn in him of we've gone from being the weapons company that doesn't sell weapons to ooh we've got something new and nobody else has this and oh boy what do I get to do with this new toy?
0: Yeah, the last minute we had with him, he really seemed eager to get a chance to see this thing and this whole arc reactor that Tony has created this mini arc reactor that he'd heard about and uh, now he gets to see it and it, obviously he's very excited and the way he, that he smiles and laughs uh, you know it's, it's a great Jeff Bridges look yes and then he's got that he's got that nice sigh that he does that smile as he looks at Tony puts his arm around him that fatherly way yeah and gives him that speech which I think defines so much about kind of who he is as far as this businessman and this whole idea of we're a team you know there's nothing yeah we can't do if we're if we stick together right and, and that whole idea plus the you know the element but you know next time you go do something like this talk to me first right the way that he kind of is coaching him right here i like really well and i i, I like that there's that nod also to the father that you know no, no more of this ready fire aim business and i like how. <laughs> Oh, Tony looks at him and was like, "Oh, that's one of Dad's lines." Yeah, you know, it's kind of that nice connection back to his father.
1: Yeah, it, it is, and it's is he, you know, staying really, you know, trying to be that surrogate father to Tony. Of okay, you've got to, you've got to keep me in the loop on these things. I've got to be involved in these. But yeah, the arm around, you know, using Dad's line, he's definitely trying to, to build that relationship that trusting relationship since you know tony comes back and it wants to take everything in a different direction it's like i got to bring him in i've got to keep him close so i know what's what's going on and yeah jeff bridge is just perfect in this scene of of taking that turn of i've got to get tony's trust i i can't have him making decisions like this i need to know what he's doing so that he you know at this point as a businessman, he needs to know how to pivot the business. If Tony's going in a different direction, he's got to be ahead of the game on that. And to me, that's really, you know, what he's trying to get Tony to understand, that it's for the better, it's better for all of them to be on the same page so that he can help coach and guide him through
0: that transition of the company. It's it's a great position for this guy who's always looking for an angle. And so yeah. it works really nicely. And it's interesting, especially... As we find out later, kind of the, the turn that Obadiah is going to take in the film. So, yeah. it's 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 very interesting. Last time you were on, we did a little IMDb game with Terrence Howard, and I thought we'd do one now for Jeff Bridges. You are feeling oh, up to no. it? Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, man, Jeff Bridges.
1: You can, you've got like 40 years of Oh, stuff. I know. Okay. I know. He started as a
0: kid working in, in projects oh, with yeah. his dad back in the 50s, and he's still active today. So Okay. So, Jeff Bridges, right. the four films oh that IMDb gosh. says that he's known for, what would you say they are? Big Lebowski. Okay. See, this is just insight into my mind. Um, <laughs>
1: because when I think of Jeff Bridges, I'm also. Oh, see, that, is that going to make it? Oh, gosh. See, uh, Last Picture Show. Okay. Um... Think spanning the decades, King Kong. Okay, and um, I'm probably overlooking something really recent, but I to me, uh, oh, Crazy Heart.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm shooting twenty five percent. Aren't I? You're
0: you're actually fifty percent. You got the Big oh, Lebowski okay. and oh, Crazy Heart. Okay, okay. I will give you a hint for the other two. Of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven films that he was nominated for an Academy Award for in either Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor, they were two of those. Oh, I don't know what the what I his nominations, I don't have those off the top of my head. Well, they were two uh, two films more recent than Crazy Heart. That's which was oh, two thousand nine. Oh, I think Crazy Heart was that long ago? Yeah. Time's
1: going by fast as I'm getting old. I've drawn a blank
0: at this point. What 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 am I missing and overlooking? The other two films yeah. are True Grit. Oh yeah, and and Hell or High Water.
1: Really, Hell or High Water. Really? Yeah, because I mean I love that movie, but it's not one that I th- yeah. That's where the the algorithm goes a little wonky, I guess. Because while I love that movie, I wouldn't say oh if you if you're thinking Jeff Bridges, that one's coming to mind, or that's a musty performance that's going to be remembered. I think that film is. Overlooked and forgotten, and I appreciate that it's on the list, but it's not one that I think, in a retrospective, you're going to be like,
0: "We all remember him in Hell or High Water." Although it was a Best Picture nominee, it was it got a lot of love that year. So okay, yeah, no, but it is it's an interest. But again, it's this crazy IMDb algorithm. How do they come up with these? Who nobody comes up with them That's it. The internet taking over. (laughs) It's completely completely random. It's Jarvis. It's Jarvis. Yeah, it's Jarvis messing (laughs) with Jarvis. Right. So anyway. Yeah, that's our little uh, bit of Obadiah for this minute. Anything else with that little conversation uh, before we jump into uh, our next part of this scene?
1: No, like I said we're sort of on the on the tail end of that yeah, conversation right. and we've you know talked about the arc reactor, you know, previously they talk about the arc reactor all of that, but yeah, to me yes, it's really yes. this transition point in
0: their relationship which then
1: leads us into which is an interesting cut to to make here in this where we jump. Yeah. And
0: this is something that John Favreau does a lot and it's it's becoming clear to me as I rewatch this uh, minute by minute that John Favreau really loves his transitions. He likes finding a way to have these fun pivots in his transitions. And in this particular case, we go from this line, you know, with Obadiah talking to Tony about I want you to promise me that you're going to lay low. And then it immediately cuts to Jim Cramer on his CNBC show Mad Money, talking about Stark Industries and the craziness of Tony Stark. So it's just it's it's a fun way to transition, and that John Favreau always seems to be looking for those opportunities.
1: Oh yeah, and it's it's we go from like a quiet moment to a really loud moment with Jim Cramer. Yes, so who's just loud and boisterous and obnoxious and yeah, and it, it, to me the other piece is with you know picking somebody like Jim Cramer, it, it really roots it into when you're able to cast somebody like that, that is a recognizable face from, you know, for lack of a better term, the real world. It, it makes an interesting connection to things because when you you cast real news anchors or TV personalities like this, for me, it, it creates a different feel than just having some you know character actor or somebody playing a part to co- convey information. This bridges the gap I think a little bit Uh, for us when you're able to get somebody like a a Jim Cramer that is a known personality and to find a way to weave that into your story for me just adds that's a little bonus. I, I think on the next reel, we've often talked about this is sort of like stunt casting, where you're you're putting somebody in there. Uh, but here he's playing himself. And to me, it it works just really right. well.
0: Uh, and it's typical Jim Cramer. I mean, I, I've never seen his show. I've never actually sat down and watched Mad Money. But I knew who he was. So he's clearly one of these characters that, you know, he has a finance show. And he's just a crazy character who acts this way on his show. And you just never expected that type of personality to be on a finance show. So it ended up creating quite a surprise hit with everything that Jim Kramer did, including the usage of his soundboard. And we get three examples of that here, where first it's the sell, sell, sell button that he pushes, and then it's. The bear button that he pushes, and then the man out window button <laughs> that he pushes—it's uh, just very funny. If you look at we, there's a, a a web version of the soundboard where you can play all the buttons <laughs> and uh, and hear all the different sounds. It's very funny to just go through it and hear all the crazy sounds oh. that uh, that he has uh, to oh. use.
1: Oh my, okay, so that's gonna be a thing then. You're you're letting us have the soundboard, so. Pete and I can start using this on shows, is what you're saying, is we can start using the Jim Cramer soundboard. You just unleashed the bear on that one by sharing that thing. I think I did. Pete, Uh, we're getting this soundboard. Well, next time you talk about a movie that everybody hates, you can just hit sell, sell, sell. Exactly. Oh, thank you for that bonus treat.
0: (laughs) Well, according to the ticker, it does look like Stark Industries in this world is SIA and as it as it looks per the conversation that tony was just having with obadiah as far as the price drop that their shares are going to have it looks like it's trading at 82.25 now after dropping 56.50 per share so yeah, I, it think, was a was a hefty drop yeah well tony predicted uh, what 40 i think he's somewhere yeah. around 40 so he's
1: uh, it, it's it's interesting to find those little details where in the, in the conversation he has with Obadiah, it's like, yes, he's made a decision. It's going to have financial ramifications. But to hear, to see that sort of follow through just in a little detail and the ticker to say, yeah, Tony predicted 40. And it's uh, even a little bit worse than that, which is right, uh, yeah. I love finding you know details like that in here.
0: Yeah. I also love the fact that the segment that Jim has on this uh, moment is called Stark Raving Mad, which... It's great. You got a name like Tony Stark. Use it in any way you oh, can.
1: Because, yes, when you're writing the headlines or, you know, the, those little titles, you've got to go for the bad puns because that's just it, it's so easy. But that that is the reality of if there if there's an awkward or pun to be made that's just ridiculous like this, yes, that's what you're going to see on TV and I love that they they take that, embrace it and run with it.
0: Yeah, right, right. There is more information that we get on the screen. We see Pepper. She's watching this show and she's got some great reactions to the things that uh, <laughs> that Jim's saying. On screen. And we do see that she is in a different corner of Tony's house than we had. Well, it's we have seen this room before. This is kind of the living room, but we're looking a direction we hadn't seen before. And behind her, we see this giant vase that looks ancient. There's also some slatted windows back there and a big floral arrangement. Actually, there's a couple floral arrangements in the scene now. And it looks like if you look way in the back, it looks like there might be a doormat back in the area where there's the uh, slatted windows, which makes me yes. think maybe that's the direction where the front door is. It's really hard to tell because we never actually see anyone coming in or out of the front door. But it's, uh, again, just it's, it's a nice example of everything we see in Tony's house and uh, exactly what he's got here. It's a great, great space to live in.
1: So is th- are there because the internet loves detail and loves things is is there some place out there that somebody has like built out what the layout of Tony's house is because I imagine between this and Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 we get Lots of different scenes in his house to see do, do we you know, I guess for lack of a better term, is Tony living in the the hotel from the Shiny where it's like this film this house does not logically make <laughs> sense? Or is there enough to piece together this is where these rooms are and the layout is logical. And if you left that room, yes, you would see that room from that angle. I'm just curious because I know fans love their details, and I didn't know if you had come across or or considered finding the the blueprints for this dark residence.
0: One thing that I learned about people on the internet <laughs> as I researched this is they really do love digging deep. There is a whole group of people who make miniature models of movie <laughs> sets. Okay. And like for, you know, action figures and toys and things, like not toys, but, you know, like the nice, fancy adult versions yes. of some of these creations where they will actually watch these scenes, scene by scene, and they will find every little clue and every little detail that they can to actually make scale model versions of these rooms so they can have these these figures in them. And I think it was back when we were first in Tony's workshop that I was having this conversation with our guest and and how... It's yeah, I just I didn't know that this universe of people existed. So where they're basically they actually do this. They're making like little
1: dioramas, finely yeah. detailed based on yep. these scenes.
0: Wow, okay. I and I came across it because I was trying to find one of the paintings in Tony's workshop. Okay. And it led me to this website where people were trying to figure out on their own what this painting was and they were then showing pictures of their rooms that they had created and I was like wow I did not know that people had gone this deep down this rabbit hole who would think to look that closely at these minutes of this movie what crazy person <laughs> would do that Andy Nelson that's uh, oh who. wait yes indeed <laughs> So, yes, okay. it's, uh, it is. So, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't see anything of the first floor. I saw Tony's okay. workshop. Uh-huh, of course. But I wouldn't well, be surprised if somebody's yeah. also done the main part of the house.
1: Well, the workshop's more fun. This is, yeah, there's yeah. there's only a few scenes, I think, up here in the 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 main floor in, uh, in this film. But, yeah, so this is, uh, I don't know, like the, yeah, peppers in this room, which... It's not her office, so she's sort of hanging out, but she's so she's watching TV. Yeah, just hanging out in Tony's house, I guess, waiting for you know what whatever he's going to be doing. But yeah, I love the reaction shots. You know, just again keys us into the consequences of of Tony's decision and Pepper just sort of watching like you know the chaos, the fallout of that. Yeah. She's aware of this is a business; it's got to be you know. Maintained, and she's looking at Jim Cramer, who is, you know, in the public eye, a a good barometer of how things are going. And clearly, he's saying this is a company that's gone off the rails, right? And she's watching it on a. Of course, it's Tony Stark's house, so we've got what big fancy. Big screen TV, and is she watching it on? I think she's watching it on a DVR. She's watching it on is the she, window. Oh, it's it's, it's on, on.
0: Well, she's watching a DVR, but you know, it's it's the way the windows oh, okay. are. So she's actually, if you look in the wide shot, which we get, or the wide of the TV shot, we can see that there's the ocean back oh, behind okay. it. So it's that window. Okay. But we do see on that, you know, she's it's CNBC uh, one forty five. She's got twenty five minutes and twenty six seconds remaining in the show. In L.A., we've got a sunny high of 84, low of 62. It's 10.04 in the a.m., uh, which is good to know. And also May 4th, 2008. This is an interesting thing that's, I think, worth talking about because, you know, there's this there's this recent Marvel book that just came out, Steve. I don't know if you're familiar with the—I uh, think it's like 10 years of Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Marvel Studios, the first 10 years. Uh, this book just came out pretty recently. And in it, they actually give a timeline for all of the films to try to oh, lay out, okay. like, when these films took place to to kind of clarify some of the, the things that may not line up quite as perfectly, trying to make it line up. And, you know, retroactively doing so, inevitably, it's going to cause some issues and some things just aren't going to work and they aren't going to make sense. They now have placed Iron Man as taking place in 2010.
1: Ah, okay.
0: So... Obviously, this doesn't work so well when you have moments like this on screen where it actually says on screen 2008,
1: which is the year the movie was released, 2008. So it would, it would make sense at that time that we would set this movie not two years in the future but right now. Yes
0: right, exactly. okay. So it's just it's one of those little things that they go and they make these decisions and and again, it largely doesn't matter. It's not like the film comes out with information right at the beginning saying 2008. But you have these little details that the production team puts on screen, and all of a sudden it's like, eh, that doesn't quite line up anymore. Well, what's interesting about that May date
1: is according to IMDb, Iron Man was released on May 2nd, 2008. So having this Pepper watching this uh, May 4th puts us really of uh, like, hey, these events are happening right now which i always find interesting when you have to consider production time so you're shooting a movie in late 2006 early 2007 and having to make sure you're forward dating things and then that also gets into issues and i'm there was a oh there was a podcast of the I don't have it off the top of my head, but they were talking about props and production design people. And I think it was, it was the Wes Anderson one, oh, Grand Budapest. Um, And she was talking about a calendar and that people were actually saying, oh no, in this year, this date was actually on a Thursday, not a Saturday or something like that. So when you you get, she talked about when you have dates, you have to be very careful to consult your calendar because if we think about this, May 4th, 2008, if the movie was released on a Friday the 2nd, this is a Sunday. Uh, If that's May 4th, was Jim Kramer's show actually? What does he air shows on Sundays? You start to get into yeah, crazy right. details like this. Of oh no, that that would have been a weekend. That show wouldn't have been on. Uh, right types right. of types of arguments. So maybe the two thousand maybe moving to two thousand ten would would remedy that. Of course, you have <laughs> then you have to be cautious of you know, Jim Kramer's show existed in two thousand eight. Fortunately, it still existed in two thousand ten. If something had happened and the show had been canceled, we would have huge issues of. Definitely putting us in an entirely different universe where Jim Cramer's show still existed in 2010. But fortunately for us, I think he's still on the air. It still works. He's still on the yes, air. Right. He's still
0: still working. Yes, he's still a busy boy. That Jim yeah, Cramer. But
1: that's the uh, that's the issue. I think with like headlines on newspapers and dates and all of those things of the risk you take and in, in picking a specific day and time for things.
0: Well, and it's become a much bigger issue. Nowadays, when at the drop of a hat, yeah. you can just go, you know, search the Internet for May 4th, 2008, yeah. and it'll tell you what day of the and, week it was. And I want know the weather. When we were growing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Was it really a high of 84 you, you, on uh, May 4th, 2008? What was the weather? <laughs> uh, yeah. And before, you know, you couldn't find that information right. so readily. I remember as a kid, uh, it was a much bigger deal to know, like, the day you were born. Yeah, you know, what you day could, of the week it was. You'd to, like, go back in calendars yes. and try to figure out what day was that. And now it's like, oh, you just Google it. It's like, oh, I was born on a Wednesday. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) There's an interesting deleted scene here that uh, I think we should talk about. It, It would be really kind of a transitional scene between these two. It would be Tony coming home after his conversation with Obadiah and then before the scene with Pepper watching Mad Money. This is a scene at night when Tony comes home, And it's, it's a very kind of dark scene. It's kind of Tony's, I I guess, reconnection with Jarvis, which is nice to see, but it's, it's largely like Tony just kind of reconnecting with his life and getting a sense of what he's missed and, you know, how many voicemails he has saved up, which is in the thousands. And he just deletes all of them. And, you know, he has a a watch gift of a watch. there, laying on his uh, table from Obadiah. It says, Tony, thank God it wasn't your time which is kind of an odd little note to, to get. And you just kind of get this quiet scene of Tony trying to figure out, you know, how to get back into life, which I thought was a pretty interesting little moment. Again, not something that I felt like we needed, but it's a nice moment. It does something to the pacing though. It really
1: slows things down. Oh, and I can see why yeah. this
0: got taken out because the,
1: the sharp, cut we have from that quiet moment with tony and obadiah to you know the loud uh jim kramer yeah this scene coming in between there we we do get again some more about about tony you know deleting everything he's starting new but yeah it just really slowed things down and i don't i think there's other ways we get that information about tony it's an in, it's an interesting little minute and a half or so but yeah the tone just really slows things down and it between these two moments it just would not have fit in there for me
0: it does give us a clue i think way back toward the beginning of the film when we are first getting a sense of this room we were trying to figure out as we were looking at it if this waterfall or this water feature in the room was actually there or if it was digitally added because it just it didn't seem like something that was really there but the sound that we hear here I, I I feel like, you know, it was really a feature that they had yes. put in uh, on the set because uh, there, <laughs> that's one thing with this deleted scene is like, all you hear is this yes. fountain.
1: Yes, because they have, it sounds like somebody just sort of off camera reading Jarvis's lines. So when you look at sound for this, it's not the final right. sound mix. And if they haven't put in, you know, Jarvis's voice, they probably wouldn't have put in, you know, the water feature sound. So clearly it is something that's actually present
0: there. A uh, location, yes. Yeah. I was surprised, though, that, that the scene got far enough clearly for them to oh. add all the digital effects of all of the stuff that he's doing on, on the screen. You
1: don't see Tony just touching, you know, empty glass, but they've actually placed in all of, you know, <laughs> we see what has he's deleting his email and scrolling through things that, yes, all that was was placed there. I'm always curious about shooting those scenes of like, here, touch the glass like this. Does it matter? Are there specific, you know, where are they sort of in production design to say you have to do it in this sequence? You've got to touch here you've got to touch here you've got to swipe here or if it's just touch some things and we're gonna we'll figure it out later on what it looks like yes exactly Because I right. have to imagine you know as always yeah. with films like this with so much being placed later interacting with things that don't exist and and the challenges that that poses for for actors you know with you you've got to interact with a touchscreen that doesn't exist yep right right all right I did I, I did some digging right right here and yep. found okay. that on May 4th. 2008 in los angeles california the record high was 88 but the historic average high temperature was only 69 degrees and the, on that day actually the high was 65 and the low was 57 degrees oh wow so Interesting. they're portrayed clearly the hollywood idealized version of la where it's always a high of 80 and a low of 60 and perfect weather for everyone
0: right right yes a little different but uh Oh, well, what are you going to do? Nobody's paying attention to that information. Except
1: for us.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't have anything else for this minute. Do you have anything else?
1: Uh, No, because we're sort of, this is one where we end in the middle of uh, Jim Cramer, right? He's in the middle of his rant. We see Pepper's reaction. And that's where we're going to leave it, I guess.
0: Do you want to come back and uh, finish talking about Jim Cramer tomorrow? I would love to talk more about Jim Cramer tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me again, Steve. Where can people uh, find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Mr. Steve 23. And that's
1: where I am tweeting out fun facts about movies, things that interest me. And that's probably the best place to find and interact with me. Of course, you know, listeners here, you know, can find me everywhere else on the next reel. But that's where I'm uh, out there in the interwebs.
0: Awesome well everybody that's it for today's show thank you so much for tuning in make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com join us over in our discord chat room and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at the next reel and if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel until next time true believers